Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. Welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day today. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. We're going to be talking about how Baptists and Presbyterians can get along. The latest Baptist switch to Presbyterianism is my good buddy Brandon Baywatch Lansdowne. And I think Brandon did some things correctly and uh, in the whole process that I think others can learn from. But uh, I've been texting with him behind the scenes and just asking him, hey, what, tell me about this process, all that kind of stuff. But this seems to happen so often. In fact, in just the last five or six years, my friend Mason, my friend Zach, my friend Bo, my friend Brian, my friend Dan, and now my friend Brandon Lansdowne have all moved from confessional Baptist circles to Presbyterianism. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about why Baptists are being pulled towards Presbyterianism. Then I'm going to address Baptists in particular and things that we can do better in this whole process. And then I'm going to talk to Presbyterians and appeal to them on some things they can do better, and then just call for unity. I think a lot of it back and forth is frustrating, but it doesn't have to be. I think we can work together, dwell together in unity, and ask for the Lord's help. I just, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Let me just go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help. I'm adjusting my camera here for those that are not watching on YouTube. For those who are watching on YouTube, sorry for the adjustments here. Let's see. There we go. And if you've not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, follow the link in the show notes and check that out. Okay, I think that's a little bit better. We'll see. I thought I had it appropriately adjusted when I first started, and it was just off. Okay, let's go ahead and pray, and we are going to duke it out. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We ask for blessing upon this conversation. Uh, not really conversation, just my monologue here. I pray it would be encouraging and helpful to Baptists and Presbyterians. Thank you for all the things that we agree on. Help us to think about that. God, when, when Baptists become Presbyterian, or the much rarer case of the Presbyterian becoming Baptist, Help us never think that it is defecting, as Jim Hamilton said. It's not, it's not defecting. We're, we're the same body of Christ. We're, we're purchased by the blood of Jesus. We're brothers in Christ. And while there may be some frustration there, uh, God, help us to keep the, the biggest picture in mind here that we are on the same team moving forward in the same direction. And so many of us are really just declaring all of God's word and all of life, and we need to be unified in that in, in the face of, of severe opposition. And help us in that. Uh, help us to not be, uh, the pres- Presbyterians to not be stupid and help Baptists to not be stupid and help us to dwell in unity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Like I said, I've got a lot of friends that have become Presbyterian over the years. In fact, most of these guys, I, I just, these guys are, and really in this case, all of these guys are smarter than me. It, it, as far as just intelligence, these guys are brilliant guys. My friends from uh, years back, Mason being my closest friend, um, then uh, a young guy, Zach, at our church that we sent to a Presbyterian church down the road to my good buddy Bill Smith's church, Cornerstone Reformed in Carbondale, CREC Church. Uh, Bo Hutchis, he's, we've worked together on The Majesty's Men, and he's a dear brother that I love and appreciate. He is Presbyterian now. Brian Sauvet, Dan Burkholder, when we first met, they were confessional Baptists. And also, by the way, uh, they probably would say this, but uh, they were also dispensational premillennialists uh, as well, being in the Calvary Chapel movement and had maybe recently moved out of that, but I uh, met them, they, they became Presbyterian, and now my good buddy Baywatch, uh, Brandon Lansdowne from Reformation Coffee, 
made some waves last week, even made the dividing line with James White. And he just made his announcement on, let's see, actually it was Reformation Day. He made that announcement. So the, the first part of this this podcast today, this episode today, I want to explore why it is that I think Baptists are moving towards Presbyterian and many confessional Baptists. And I think there are several reasons, several of which I've not recognized or identified. These are just some kind of the big ones that I just thought down and jotted down. Uh, but number, number one would be a failure of popular Baptist theology with applied theology over the last three years. The first reason I think many Baptists are moving towards Presbyterianism is because they've seen many of their heroes have such horrid application of their theology in real life. You know, you could rewind all the way back to John Piper in 2015, writing the article about not defending his wife if an intruder came in. But really, you could ramp it up in 2020 all the way to 2023. When you see Mark Dever with this, you know, supposedly really robust ecclesiology and Jonathan Lehman with this robust ecclesiology and all these others that are writing in the Gospel Coalition or wherever else, and their, their Baptist theology folded. Their so-called ecclesiology wasn't robust enough to stand up to the state. And Baptists are looking on and thinking, my goodness, why the, why the severe lack of, of applied or bad, uh, you know, uh, bad process of applied theology when it comes to the Lord's table or with singing or the gathered saints, any of that. But there's just a failure of popular level Baptist theology, also with political theology with G3. This is the most recent thing where it's just so cringe and frustrating is that G3 has pushed so many young Baptists in particular towards covenant theology or towards Presbyterian covenant theology because of how they behaved. Their, their behavior has been terrible. And I think that's the second reason is the Baptist leaders are not doing very well. The Baptist leaders don't have gravitas. Our, our Baptist leaders right now, we, we have left James White and Jeff, Jeff Durbin and Tom Askell that are these leaders with gravitas. You could maybe throw Joel Webbin in there. And I, I think I mentioned Jeff, Jeff Wright. Just had a really good conversation with Jeff Wright yesterday about the Cradle Alliance, which we're super excited about and really looking forward to see how that unfolds. But some of these uh, Baptist leaders that have been kind of the mainstay in, in evangelical circles that we've looked to over the years, they've folded. They've, they've become so cringe in their application of God's Word in all of life, but also in their turning to younger guys, and instead of raising them up and building them up and being humble with them, they have pushed them away and stiff-armed them just like the boomers did to them. Just like, just like many of the boomers did to younger pastors and have been doing to younger pastors, these Gen X guys, these guys that are all the G3 guys and, and the Scott and all and, uh, you know, Josh Bice and Owen Strand, I mean, these guys are barely older than me. We're about the exact same age, I think, actually. Many of them, myself, are about the exact same age. We've all been repulsed. I've been repulsed by their behavior, and they just can't keep scratching their head. Why are we repulsed? And it's so clear because their behavior has been so prideful and arrogant. Their, our Baptist leaders have, have failed time and time again recently, and it's embarrassing. Um, the third reason, I think, is that uh, you see Doug Wilson in particular, but Presbyterians on the other side of this covenant theology piece, and they have gravitas. There's a draw. You look at what, what's going on in Moscow, and it's just there's this uh, the same kind of cool factor or it factor that Acts 29 had in 2005, 2006, 2007. That's what Moscow has. Everybody's looking there, and they're recognizing this is robust. This is life. These, these people are happy. They're not scared what people think, and they aren't apologizing for what God has to say. And there's this natural gravitas. When you watch the No Quarter November episode, just like, man, I, I want to be a man like Doug Wilson. That, that's what I want to be like. I want to be like that. There, there's that gravitas. Nobody in Baptist circles right now has that gravitas at all. So there is a, a pull towards gravity. There's this, 
there's this sphere of, of people that are looking there and they're just being pulled in more and more and more and more. You could say that in a lesser degree or to a lesser degree about Brian and Dan and everything in Ogden with Eric. There's this gravitas where these, these you know, you could look at things going on in Ogden as a, a lesser developed Moscow or, uh, you know, a little bit less mature. I think these guys would be okay with, with, with me saying that version of Moscow where they're just growing into what's been happening for 40 years out there. And there is this pull towards them. That's what it is. There's this this pull towards there because they've seen them stand with backbone and with just basic Christian ethics in the face of adversity and, and not apologize for it. And they've been able to just say, they've also been able to escape the PC world and a PC culture that the Baptists are still stuck in, they're ingrained in, they're indoctrinated in, and they don't want people to think they're racist and they don't want people to think all this. And they're just like, my goodness, forget about that. Uh, let's go ahead and read some Dabney and have some fun and not care when people call us racist. Okay, then I think fourth, there is a novelty about Presbyterian covenant theology. Because we as a country are so pervasively Baptist, Baptists are everywhere, and the seminaries are Baptist, Baptist theology just runs in and in throughout our country right now, and over the last, I don't know how many years, but since early Presbyterianism of, of New England, and since the move from Puritan New England south after, really after the First Great Awakening, and Southern Presbyterianism began to take hold, after that first, so it's like New England Presbyterianism moved south, basically. After that, uh, Baptist theology really took over in this country after the Second Great Awakening and, and some bad theology developed, but Baptists have grown in that, you know, the Southern Baptist Convention is the largest Protestant denomination by a lot. And so these Baptist seminaries, when these pastors are being trained and, and, and raised up, and these young guys that are listening to podcasts, and these young guys that are so sharp that are reading these books, they're reading Stephen Wolf, they're reading all these people that are well-versed in Protestant history, they are looking at, they're saying, looking at the arguments, looking at the history of, of classic covenant theology, and really realizing that some of their Baptist strongman arguments that they had put put up against covenant theology or classic covenant theology really aren't, aren't, aren't standing. And because there hasn't been a robust understanding of the covenant of grace and when it was actually established, the Baptists have looked towards those like Doug Wilson and they've read their works and to a thousand generations and it was written to convince Baptists to become Presbyterian and they've written it, read it, and they've thought, yep, that makes sense. I'm going that way. And so there, there's a novelty of Presbyterian theology. And, and if you don't know that theology goes in trends from one generation to the next, and there is a massive swing now, a trend away from Baptist theology into more a covenantal understanding. And you see this down through the history of America and really through the history of the church is where you see these pendulum swings. And you really can measure this generation to generation. But right now, we're in the midst of this pivotal moment and people are swinging Presbyterian and thinking covenantal because they're thinking about family. They're thinking about sphere sovereignty and they're recognizing authority and submission and, and rule and obligation that those under the rule of those in authority have. And so they're recognizing those sort of federal ideas. And so with federalism comes a look back towards covenant theology and many Baptists are making that jump. And then finally, Puritans. The Puritans, as people read the Puritans from the from Martin Lloyd-Jones and Banner of Truth Forward, they've recognized like there's a rich history of paedo-baptism or just classic covenant theology in Protestantism. And so that must be right. And there's this draw, there's this pull. And every time this happens, every time there is a Mason, every time there is a Zach, every time that there is a, a Bo Hutchins, every time there's a Brian Sauvé and a Dan Burkholder, and every time there's a Brandon uh, Lansdowne, or every time, time there's a Jared Longshore, or every time there's a Joe Rigney, the Baptists, you know, get all up in arms about it and frustrated about it. And there are several reasons that contribute to those guys going in that direction. And it's not like they're defecting from the faith, but it is somewhat frustrating because, you know, I, I think there are some failures that can, can be addressed in the Baptist world that would... Uh, 
really answer a lot of the questions and the stirrings that people have in a better way than the answers that are getting they are getting from those that have that gravitas and they're at that are pulling them in that direction. So I want to say a couple things first to Baptists and then to Presbyterians about you know the things that can be done better. And so let's just start with Baptists first, okay? Let's just be generous and I'm a Baptist, we'll address Baptists first and then we'll really hammer the Presbyterians here in just a minute. <laughs> okay, um, number one, I think Baptists can stop being butthurt when somebody becomes Presbyterian. It's going to keep happening. Behind the scenes, there are people that are becoming Baptists. That happens, you know, less frequently, but there are big names that are going to probably continue to come, uh, move from Baptist covenant theology over to Presbyterian covenant theology. And throwing a fit about it or being frustrated about it doesn't help we have to be confident. We believe in what the scriptures say, and we are confident in our position because we are trying to root our, our positions in in exegesis, in the text. And if we believe what we believe about the, the nature of the church and the nature of the establishment of the, the covenant of grace and how all that works, then we shouldn't be frustrated. There, there shouldn't be this uh, this uh, theological little, little man syndrome that, that can happen with Baptists, it's just, just be at peace. It's whatever. You know, press, all right, it's not, not that big of a deal. They're not defecting. So to the Jim Hamiltons of the world, they're not defecting from the faith. And it, it can add insult to injury when we publicly talk about people like Brandon Lansdowne as if he's some kind of grifter or something like that. I've known Brandon for several years now. Love the guy. And I think he's doing a great job with a lot of things. And Albeit that there is some frustrations when somebody becomes Presbyterian, uh, it's not a big deal. Like in, in the grand scheme of things, he's going to come and we're going to have Reformation coffee at the Shepherd's Creek Intensive next year uh, again. And he's going to be there. And also, A.D. Robles, a Presbyterian pastor, or well, former pastor, but a Presbyterian, A.D. Robles is going to be there speaking. And we're going to talk about fatherhood. And covenant theology has to play in fatherhood. And most likely, A.D. Robles is going to bring some of his covenant theology to his idea of fatherhood and father rule. And that's what we, we've got to be man enough, big enough to be able to handle that kind of thing. And also equip our people to know why we are where we are as Baptists. And so that's the third piece. So to Baptists, we have to understand the arguments. We have to stop feeling little, okay? We've got to get gravitas. And pouting doesn't get gravitas. When we see somebody become Presbyterian, that should make us buckle down on our theology and think about our church and think about how we can dwell together in unity and help those who are going to continue to look to Moscow. They're going to continue to read the books. They're going to continue to consume Canon Plus resources. And we've got to be prepared for these kinds of conversations, and we've got to do so in love. But we don't have to be embarrassed about the covenant of grace and when it's established. The Baptists need to know when is the covenant of grace established. And what the authors of the Old Testament say and what the author of Hebrews says is that the covenant of grace is established in the new covenant. Every, every amount of grace in the Old Testament from the garden forward that's evident is there by way of the covenant of grace, retroactive grace that goes into the past. But when is the covenant of grace established? And that's really when you boil all the arguments down between Presbyterians and Baptists, they're answering that question differently. It's not at first about the instances of baptism, although those arguments are incredibly valid, uh, about who's baptized in the, in the New Testament. All those conversations are, quite, are, are valid, but it all comes down to when is the covenant of grace established? Abraham or in Christ in the New Testament? And I'm not ashamed that the Bible calls the New Covenant the New Covenant because it is a new covenant. It's not a reestablished covenant. It is new. New means new. That's what it means. It's a new covenant. It doesn't mean there's just a few things added to something that which is old. It means it's new. It's and it also means it's established. 
in the new covenant. The new covenant, the covenant of grace is established. I've got more on that. Andy and I have talked through why we are Baptist on, on this podcast. I'll put that in the link, the link in the show notes. There are several reasons there, and I'm not going to discuss all of that, but we can be well-versed in Baptist covenant theology. We can also be well-versed in classic covenant theology. We can learn, as we always do. I mean, anybody that's in the Reformed tradition in any way is learning from Presbyterians, learning from covenant theologians. We're looking back, we're reading the books. In fact, for me, I've read more on Paedobaptist works and more on covenant theology, classic covenant theology, than I have on Baptist covenant theology. And I'm, I'm not in this you know, middle ground wondering where I'm going to be with covenant theology or anything like that, uh, even though it can be very difficult to understand. You know, At some point, I did an episode where I was thinking that the Westminster Standards, the Westminster Confession of Faith, had a better uh, chapter 7 on covenant than the, Baptist, uh, than the London Baptist Confession did. And was able to press in and struggle through that and work through that and say, you know what? Okay, hold on a second. No, I understand the arguments better and I didn't understand them before as much. And and that's just the work that we as pastors have to do. And then the last thing is to Baptist elders. If you're a pastor of a Baptist church, this is what I want to plead with you. Don't secretly email Toby Sumter and Jerry Longshore. Now, I talked to Brandon Lansdowne about this because it made it seem like he had been just texting them behind the scenes and it was just like the secret thing. And so I was asking him, you know, hey, did you work this out with your elders or your other leaders in the church and the church first as you're you know, processing through all this? Or did you just work this out through emails? Because that, that seems shady. And this is what seems to be the MO of Moscow. I love Moscow. I love Toby. I've had him on the show. I love Jared. I've had him on the show. Uh, these guys have been very kind to me. Uh, Toby, so I've had more interactions with Toby. In fact, the first time I interviewed him was in Moscow and I called him Toby Stumpler. <laughs> the first time I'm sitting around with Brian and Dan and the guys from, from Ogden, Utah, and we're all recording in the, in the studio over at, uh, at right above Doug Wilson's office. And I'm sitting there talking to Toby and I didn't know him that well. And I'd just been getting into uh, Doug Wilson really heavily the last couple of years, but didn't know Toby very well at all. I just kind of knew of him, seen his name, but I called him Tony Stumpler. <laughs> He would remember that. So, hey there, Tony, if you listen to this, uh, you can have a good chuckle with me. But it seems like with Joe Regney and Jared Longshore and some other Baptists that I've talked with, it seems like Baptist pastors, instead of talking to their pastors, seems like this happened with Jared. I I don't want to assume that this definitely happened, but it seemed like instead of working through all these issues with them there, that there was a willingness to just email out first. And, And let me just plead with you elders, work through your theology Honestly and upfront, if you're thinking through Baptist, or if you're if you're thinking through classic covenant theology, and maybe maybe switching over to paedo baptism in your view of the covenants and and the, and the establishment of the of the covenant of grace, and its application in the New Testament church, then work through that with your elders. Just be honest, and don't just start emailing out the back door secretly. Uh, work it out with courage, with the men that you're going to be accountable to, and with the church that you're in submission to, because. You aren't accountable to Jared Longshore and Toby Sumter and Doug Wilson. You're not under their authority. You are under and alongside the authority of your elders and the local congregation. And so work that out with them. And then if you make that switch, then in love, have the church send you out in good standing. And then you go and follow the direction that God is is leading you and that you have to go next steps toward either ordination to the PCA or moving to a different church, whatever it may be. But work it out with courage with your elders. Get some guts and don't just email behind the scenes. And it seems like that happens quite a bit. And I think Brandon Lansdowne, from what I can tell, did that the, the, right, the right way. Don't be secretly emailing Moscow and Moscow and not talking to your elders. And then to Presbyterians. Okay, I, I, Like I said, I love you Presbyterians. It can be kind of annoying, though, when some of your campaigns are to become Presbyterian. Like, here, become Presbyterian, become Presbyterian. Here you go, Baptist. Because of all the factors that I'd said beforehand, we know that the, the gravitas is there. And the leveraging of the gravitas in... in calling people over, there are serious consequences. There are many 
serious consequences that happen when so many Baptist pastors serving Baptist congregations are turning their attention and loving No Quarter November, but then when they, they've been hired there or they, they've planted a church with a confessional statement and their confessional standards have the London Baptist Confession Chapter 7 in it on Covenant. And we're, we're talking through you know all these things. The, the consequences are either these congregations are going to have to acquiesce to their, their, their newfound theological conviction or they're going to have to be expelled and fired it's a uh, it's a serious matter, and so I I would love from Moscow the recognition the public and again this is from appearances like did Joe Rigney have a job already promised behind the scenes did did Jared Longshore already have a job behind the scenes were they having these conversations where they're like hey Jared hey listen if you get fired down there if you become uh, Presbyterian we we got you man come on over we, no worries hey hey Joe you've been here before already uh, if you if you want to come here you can. And if, if those conversations are being had, I, I just think there's better ways to do it. I don't, I don't think that's the right thing. I think that, that violates some, uh, certainly, Presbyterian polity, but definitely violates Baptist polity. And in the CREC, there's a recognition of Baptist authority and, and local church autonomy. And so there should be this uh, willingness from Presbyterians, if they get this email from somebody behind the scenes, to say, hey, man, uh, there's a, a right time and place to have these conversations, but why don't you talk to your elders about that first and work through that with your congregation. And then afterwards, if you do, do come to that conclusion, then we can have these conversations about what's next for you and we can give you some counsel and guidance. But right now, it's best to work that out with your local church. That, that's what good faithful Presbyterians should do when they get emails from, Bas from, uh, from Baptist pastors. Um, and uh, because that, uh, that is the appearance. It seems like there is a, a willingness there to engage. Um, Okay, so Presbyterians, there we go. There's your word of counsel. Now, if you notice, I had more things to say to Baptist friends because I, I am one, less things to say to Presbyterians. And in all of this, I, I think we can come together and dwell together in unity, recognizing that we really are on the same team here, that we have massive amounts of agreement, and there is this growing uh, upbuilding of, of good and faithful Baptists who are learning all that they can from Moscow. They're learning all that they can, and you know it's getting squeezed out, and we're soaking it up, and we're stepping into it. And I, I've got Christian church friends, my, 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 buddy, my uh, buddy Joey Hawkins, who's at a Christian church, and he is loving God's Word. And, you know, Mark, Mark Goldman, to drop his name again, uh, these guys... Our pastors, the First Baptist Church and the First Christian Church, and another friend of the First First Baptist Church, and and we are stepping out of the PC world and stepping into all of Christ for all of life. And there are many, many, many Baptists out there that are being encouraged. And uh, we've got to recognize we're on the same team here. And uh, uh, really, we really are on the same team. And stop being butt hurt one way or the other because the, there are some growing divides that could happen that I think would be quite unhelpful in the uh, the coming difficulties that I think we could uh, could clear, clearly face in our country. And we agree on so much, so much, except uh, on, on our covenant theology, which is difficult. And so, if you want to learn more about Baptist covenant theology, why we are a Baptist church, why I'm Baptist, I've got several episodes you can search. Like I said, I'll put one in the show, show notes in the links. And uh, Toby, guys from Moscow, if you happen to hear this, uh, please send, uh, if you do get those backdoor emails, send them back to their local church. Baptist pastors listening in, don't send those backdoor emails. Just go to your other elders, go to your church and work it out with courage and not, you know, in, in a shy manner, an embarrassed manner behind the, you know, behind closed doors. And I think uh, we would all be the better for it. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. If this has been helpful, please share this, spread the word. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook intentionally at my choice. Uh, if you are on Twitter, if you are on Facebook, and if you can spread the word about the podcast, please do that. If you're new here, thanks so much for being here. Please consider leaving a rating or review, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.